All right, we are three minutes ahead of schedule, and we'll be able to give our presenters a little more time. I know some folks will come in over the next few minutes trying to decide the purpose of this chair. Is this where other presenters have sat there? Is that, is that the purpose of it? Because I'm going to move it back here in case we need these chairs up front. Well, that wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad idea. I want to share my favorite verse, and it's going to kind of frame what we're going to talk about and share about and ask some questions about for the next couple of hours together. The verse is one of John's writings. John, of course, we all know, Jesus is bestie. Uh, even though Lazarus gets called the one you love, uh, the disciple or the apostle that he loved is the apostle John. John, as he becomes an older man, in, I um, believe it is in his third little postcard of a letter, that he gives this sentence. He says, um, I hope that you're getting along well. In fact, he says, I hope your soul is getting along well, even as you are doing. And then he says, I have no greater joy. Now, I, I want you to pause and tell me how you would finish that sentence. What would give you, I mean, nothing could make me more happy than, uh, let's say for those of you who are ministers, uh, you get an email while you're in this class. And the email says, special message from the elders too. And you open the email, and it says, you may not realize this, but you are celebrating your, I don't know, 18 months, uh, 22 months, uh, 400 months with our congregation. And we want you to know how much we love you. This last Sunday, the elders in a meeting were praying about you and your family. And there is attached to this a certificate. It is a certificate for a cruise for you and your wife that has been paid for by some members of the church who believe what you do is so important. And then it says, we also want you to know that amongst us, we've taken up some money and we have $5,000 of spending money for you and your spouse to use. One of us also has miles, so your airfare will be taken care of when you fly down to the Caribbean. We love and appreciate you, signed, you know, Brother Bob. Now, I want you to imagine being in this class and opening that up. How many would say, that would make me joyful? Can I get it? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. John says, I have no greater joy. Even that could not make me more joyful. And then he gives this heartbreaking as well as heart-filling sentence. I have no greater joy. Does anybody know the rest of it? Than to hear that my children, help me, come on, somebody help me, are walking according to the truth. I have no greater joy than to see my kids continuing to walk with Jesus. Our three presenters today believe that deeply in their bones. They have, I don't know, combined between them, it wouldn't surprise me if there was nearly a hundred years of youth ministry experience, but at least, at least 60 or 70. 
And we come together at an interesting time. We come together at a time when more of our young people are less interested in continuing engagement with the church. We come together at a time when our young people have more access to information about the Bible than any generation ever. Right? How many translations of the Bible did you have in your home growing up? King James, baby. Yeah. I remember I got that NIV and I thought, yes, Lord. It's in English. Maybe three. <laughs> maybe three, maybe four. But a teenager today has every single translation on the planet available to them in that thing that I can't believe it. See, if I was a teen, I wouldn't have walked this far away from my phone. <laughs> that is welded to the end of their wrist. And yet, I don't think there's ever been a generation that's been more skeptical of the validity of the Bible. They've got more information than ever about Scripture. They're more skeptical. Church is easier for them to connect with, and yet they are connecting less. And the culture around them has never had more access to church. Let's be real. During COVID, there was some uh, ecclesiastical philandering going on. Some of you would sneak over online and hear Andy Stanley or Stephen Furtick or Rick Warren or whoever because it was just so easy. Here it is, right here. And by the way, did you have to wait till Sunday? Come on, everybody say no. I'm to, I, I speak at Shepherd Church from time to time. In fact, uh, wow, the leader of our prison ministry is right here. Abe, no, he's not prison ministry. It's, uh, he leads our small group ministry. Well, I've been to some of your small groups, so, okay. Uh, but seriously, Abe and I actually is one, 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 of the, one of the pastors from Shepherd Church. Yeah, glad you're here, Abe. You're late. Um, okay, somebody just leaned against a button that turned off lights, so we'll, we'll get you to re-lean. Thanks. Oh, it's a light show. Good. All right. Good deal. <laughs> so church is easier to get to than ever before. And yet more of our culture is saying it's not worth it. We are at a challenging time. And so the question becomes, how do we make sure that the next generation continues to walk according to the truth? For the next couple hours, we're going to ask some hard questions, and you're going to get a chance to ask some of these guys some questions. But we're going to start out by just saying all together some good news. God's got this. The church belongs to him. This isn't all on our shoulders. So have faith. Poke the person next to you and say it's true. Go ahead and tell them. Poke them. Say it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. So we don't want to be here and just, oh my goodness, ah, what are we going to do? God's got this. So for that reason, we're going to begin by looking into the future in a place that already exists. <clears throat> the other night, uh, who was it? Jonathan Stormont threw off a little Australia joke that I, I did think was, was pretty, 
pretty funny. There's chairs right down here. Chairs, chairs right down front, guys. Please feel free. A couple chairs o o o over here. A couple chairs here. Sir, you with the glasses on your forehead. There's a. There's. There, do you need to get closer to the front so you can see? Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Another pastor from Shepherd Church, by the way. So. I'm free. I'm free to mock them. Oh, and brought one of the teens with them. That's awesome. We're glad you're here. <laughs> all right, I think all of our class has been here now. So if you were to if you were to read material about the direction that our culture is heading, and I put it on a continuum, and over here I put a continuum on this end of the continuum, more and more Christianity, Christ. Bible centered. The church has a larger and larger, and the Bible has a larger and larger place in people's life. Over here, less and less. If I just had a, a culture that was completely secular and a culture that was deeply spiritual from a Christ centered point of view, okay? Let's just start with a little exercise. Tell me when I put my. Yeah, come here, man, Mike. Put your hand right here. You, you just put your hand right there. We're going to make you the very spiritual side. Oh, perfect. Dudley, come here. Put your hand up against mine over here. No, you're secular. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're secular. I don't, I don't even know how to do one of those satanic things. Just put your hand right there. Stay, 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 stay still, Grandpa. All right, okay, now, I don't want you to press. Back up a little bit. I could heal you. No, you're fine. Yeah, <laughs> just right here. Back up a little farther. I'm, I'm curious. We're going to find something out. Okay. I am the culture. Okay. I'm the culture. And I'm the culture of America right now. All right. Should I move this way if I, if we're going to center where American culture is? How many would say that way? Raise your hand and point that way if I should go. Okay. All right. Okay. Tell me when I get to say stop when when I'm at the right spot. What is that happening? Anybody, anybody staying farther? We got, we got, we got some folks that are still. Staying. Okay, all right. Let's just, let's just, let's just put me here for a minute. You know, we're not eating puppies yet. So, all right. Okay. So, 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 so this, this is where we are culturally. Now, if I asked you about a culture that was even farther that way. I don't know if you'd say uh, China, or if you'd say uh, Russia. Uh, don't write California. Just <laughs> <laughs> but according to statistics, a region of the world, a major English-speaking country that is less Christian from the standpoint of people being engaged in church and going to church and involved, this is where our first presenter's from. Well, actually not from. It's where he's been for the last 20 years. How many here have ever visited Australia? Anybody here been to Australia? Okay. The land down under? Um, Mike, do, I mean, do you have any sense of what percent of your population is? Um, it's going to be about slide number three. All right. So. Well, I'll, 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 I'll let you get to slide number three. I've asked Mike, uh, who has been a youth, you served as a youth minister in, in uh, South Alabama? No, North, Al North oh. Alabama. My apologies. North Alabama. <laughs> this is very different. 
in northern Alabama, you know, the very erudite and, uh, you know, sophisticated academic part of yeah. Alabama. Uh, in, in, in North Alabama, I forget this is big taped, in North <laughs> Alabama, which is such a beautiful, godly place, uh, <laughs> went to Australia because of God's call and has spent nearly two decades there. And I asked him, can he talk to us a little bit about how we prepare our teens to grow up in a world that is more and more of less and less, and more and more maybe like the land down under. Mike is a dedicated believer. He works at Redlands College in Brisbane, Australia, which is a K through 12. And, uh, and he's also a dear friend who's raised some great kids. Most importantly, he loves Jesus and he loves young people. Would you please make welcome Mike Shepard. No, I, I, I had it on Wi-Fi. I'm just going to go over to the space bar. Maybe that'll do it. All right, I'm on it. Anyway, well, I, I know that uh, I've been in enough of these presentations where I get introduced as from Australia, and then when I start talking, people are like, he's not from Australia. <laughs> I've had that. Ha so I don't have a Crocodile Dundee accent or anything like that. I've had people get up and leave before. <laughs> Early days. <laughs> So um, anyway, I, Australia itself identifies as a post-Christian country, and I want to give you some more context about that. And I'm going to I'm going to give you just a lot of things to consider, and then as this session goes forward and Jeff connects these things, you'll have some uh, probably some new tools in the toolbox when it's all said and done, some new ideas, some, some constructs like that. So really, it's almost like you're looking into the future, like you're looking ahead to what what could be. Let me do a bit of an exercise. Uh, and just try and do this on your own. Can you point to the ocean? Can you point to the ocean, please? Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> All over the place. All right. Uh, what about the car park, uh, the main car park? A uh, parking lot, sorry. <laughs> and what about north? Can you point due north? A lot of norths, a lot of different north. <laughs> so that right there, if I, I did use my, my are you going to check your app? I was. I think it's right this way. <laughs> So that's sort of what Christendom is like in a post-Christian context. It's not, it's not what we call argy-bargy. It's just everybody's got thoughts on, on how things should be pointing or, or, or what could that direction could look like. And it's been a slow burn, I must say. Australia keeps really good statistics, and every year since 1901, since 1901, Christendom Christianity has diminished without fail, without fail. So let me show you something that, uh, yeah, if you go to the next slide, yeah, and just press this. This is something that came out on our, it's our ABC, not yours. This is Australia Broadcast. They just did something right for Easter. It's not very long. Oh. Oh, here we go. Family time. This is the best thing ever. Getting a break and meeting uh, the family on Good Friday. Spending time with family and friends. It's a good time to reconnect and bond again. The uh, celebrating of the resurrection of Christ. <laughs> it's just like family coming together. Do you think you'd feel any different if you didn't know about the resurrection? Oh, yes. Um, I do not have any religious aspect, would it? Just like being with like your family and friends and like celebrating. Chocolate. How much do you love Easter out of ten? Oh, I've been seven. You know what? It's, it's time off school, so I give it a good ten, yeah. I think it's a celebration that tends to have been forgotten. Oh, the celebration hasn't been forgotten, but it's 
the way things are celebrated. I think it's all about embracing uh, things that we've grown up to believe in. Yeah. Truthfully, well, it doesn't really mean that much to me. I do not celebrate it. No. Like I think it's great for kids, though. To me and the wife, it's mostly a good holiday. So that was 2023 20, in the color, and then the 1967, I think, in the black and white. Uh, same area, same part of Australia. That's in, that's in Brisbane there, which is where, where we're from or where we live. And so you can sort of see, just, just looking at that uh, media there, you can sort of see this change over time. The most common answer that we get, and I, and I work in a quote-unquote Christian school, which doesn't mean what you think it means, um, <laughs> Is it, when, I, when we talk about Easter, is chocolate. That's the number one answer for what Easter is. And so um, I'm not here to, you know, to c cause concern or worry. I just want to talk about the reality of what that looks like. One of the things that I oftentimes see um, when I like, come back from a trip like this is they'll, if they were to rank America, they would put y'all, us, way over here. And one of the things they always ask me is, so everybody's a Christian over there. And I say, why don't you say that? And you'd be surprised what their answer is. They say, because when you watch award shows, like the Oscars or anything like that, almost, almost two-thirds of the, the people that receive awards will say, I want to thank God. You know, they'll, they'll start with that. And so they'll use that as shorthand for, oh, you know, that is a, they, they think America is just this beacon of Christianity. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, I, I, I want to show you some data and just sort of uh, go through a few slides very, very quickly. So this was last year. This is, uh, this is Australia. And so I want to show you this to you because you've got 30, it looks like I've told a fifth. You've got 30% no religion, which is growing 6% uh, other. And then you've got 64% Christian. So you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, that's not a, those aren't post-Christian numbers. If you go to the next slide, this is what Christianity means. So from that 64%, you've got 33%, they just say spirituality, which is there's probably a God. Then they would say 40% of Christianity and spirituality. But as far as people that really are active and attend and it, it informs their decisions, then you're, you're talking about 9%. And that number gets smaller every year. So as that's, that's um, adults and everyone. So I wanted to talk a little bit about young people, students, because I would suggest to you that post-Christian culture is very similar to pre-Christian culture. So you remember when Jesus is, you know, with his disciples on that, his apostles on that last night and says, I'm going to this place, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then Thomas says, you know, how do we know where you're going? I'd suggest to you that as we get, as the world becomes more and more secular, as post-Christianity becomes more and more prevalent, that that's very similar to what it looked like to the, to the 11 guys that were still following Jesus 2,000 years ago. Well, what's next? You know, Rome is super powerful. They just put our, our Lord to death. And so I would say there's some similarities. Chad GPT disagreed with me and said I should not say that point. Um, <laughs> anyway, but I do think there's something to be said for it. Let's talk a little bit about young people. Uh, this is on the app, by the way. The PDF is on, is on there with all these stats. There's a couple of slides that are not. But this is Australian, and this is current. This, is, uh, this and the other study are, are at least 10 years in the making. And it's, it's going to present, this is just about the different generations. And you'd be we'd all be familiar with this, 
about this idea about how we're moving to this generation alpha. But even that, I mean, in, in some ways, we're playing catch up to, to the previous generations. And, it, you know, I just love the way that it tells you, it talks about tech as something that you can use to sort of find true north when it comes to culture. USB flash drives, big thing in the year 2000, you get to 2020 AirPods. And so you can use any of these metrics to sort of to, to find this, um, to find a, a bit of calibration or, or, or degree of where things are. If you go to the next slide, Dudley. Uh, this one, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry that it's a bit washed out, but I, like I said, it is on the app. Again, even with music, uh, record player in the 40s, going to a smart speaker uh, now, and then everything in between. Like Spotify would still be a big thing for us, but here it's going to have a, it's going to be a bit dated with that. So um, again, this is who we're talking about, and this is very specific. Yeah, thank you. This is very specific to Australia, but I would suggest to you that this is probably. This would probably be fairly accurate. I think the only thing that I noticed that would be different here is the holding Commodore. It's not a it's not an automobile that you guys would have here in, in the U.S. <laughs> I think anyway. So some stuff you're going to know, but research driven, not just for the sake of research, but to help us make some informed decisions and think about youth ministry in 2023 and beyond. Years ago, when I was starting in youth ministry, and Jeff definitely might have been in that seminar. I remember. Might have been you, Doug. He said, he "said If you really want a good example of mentorship and youth ministry, watch the original Karate Kid movie." <laughs> and uh, of course, they beat up teenagers in that. So I, <laughs> remember that. Caveat. But you know, in, in here we fast forward years later, and there's, it's still a part of our culture. You got the Cobra Kai series, which is tremendously popular, and still pushing that forward. But there's a lot of mentoring, a lot of just spending time, and it's not dependent on some of this context that we put on here. But things that we, we sort of know, but just to get re-familiar as we go forward. Access, you can go back. As Jeff already indicated, students have access, young people have access to anything, everything. The, the issue with that, and one of the things that, you're, that we're gonna see as it ties all these things together, is that with all this connection, all this connection, it's, it's that faith deconstruction that we see, the faith deconstruction where students will I don't know how you guys were, but when I was growing up, whenever we packed for a trip, my mother always packed for me. Like, she always packed my suitcase to make sure I had enough stuff. And then when I got to be like nine years old, I was like, I got this, Mom. I can pack for myself. I'm a big boy now. What do you think I packed for a week's vacation? Yeah, chocolate, comic books, one pair of underwear. That's about it. So not prepared. And so with youth ministry, with student ministry, with parents, grandparents, youth leaders, all of these things, mentors, really we can't pack the suitcases for students. What we can do is help them figure out what they're going to pack. The, the thing is, with all this access, they've got a lot of talking points in their ear, a lot of them. Let's, let's go ahead to the next one. The other thing, too, and again, this is, some of this is no-brainer. There's, a, there's this alienation that's sort of festering there, maybe some cynicism with this, about uh, institutions and Christendom, uh, Christianity, slash youth group. That's very quickly becoming an institution in the minds of, of students. Now, again, some of this is very broad. And as we get you know, to, to more granular level, there's always exceptions to these things. But these are some things just to consider when we think about programming, when we think about mentoring, when we think about speaking and preparing devotions and all of the things that go along with that. If you go to the next one, please, Dudley. Again, some of these are very similar. 
But the data also shows us, this is a quote from Adam Curtis, since the explosion of information in celebrity culture, which this, this generation is the first generation since we've been measuring this that ever had as one of their life goals to be famous. Not successful, not rich, but to be, to be known. So celebrity culture is a, is a real thing. It's a real pull. We now determine reality based on our own experiences with our circle of friends, and it has more authority than government, history, reason, or God. And so that's the world that our students, maybe they're above the fray with that, but that's the, that's the world that they inhabit. And it's, again, this is not um, the sky is falling. This is just something for us to be aware of. So, again, if we keep in mind that pre-Christian culture and post-Christian culture probably have some similarities that we can take to the bank, that's something for us to consider. Morality, again, certainly we know this, and I think you talked about Christian Smith last, last hour. The absolute authority for everyone's, uh, every person's beliefs or actions is the sovereign self. I have no other way of knowing what to do morally but how I internally feel. And that's from research. That's American research on that one. It's, it's strange because Australia in some ways is ahead of a curve in, in some things, but like when it comes to, to our heritage, our faith heritage, we're about five years behind. So it, it's a bit of give and take, but we're a very secular place. And going back to the, some of those first slides when people, and again, going to that 9% that, that, that the Bible speaks to them and helps them inform their life choices and how they live life, the other 64% who, who consider themselves Christians, really what they're saying if we drill down into that is, to be honest, is they're not Muslim, they're not Buddhist, and so they're, they're Christian. It's that de facto, you know, Christian, it would be my answer. So, <clears throat> exploration again, Christian Smith says, you have this mantra that's sort of developing amongst young people. Whatever happens in my early 20s stays in my early 20s. Now, again, with the caveat that young people are very aware of their digital footprint. So this is, is talking more about life experience. This is talking more about risk-taking behavior, things of that nature. Not necessarily things that are going to end up on social media that will last forever. So Because there's an awareness with that. But exploration, you'd be aware of that. Differentiation, wanting to be different, not you know, teenagers are a bit of a conundrum. They want to be different by being like everybody else. But they certainly want to be different, again, going back to these institutions, mom and dad, family, grandparents, which I know you're going to speak to that. They want to have this differentiation about who they are with that. Self-validation. Collins Mayo says this, the individual, again, very similar to some of the other slides we've seen, the determining point of validation not subject to institutional group say-so, but gain security of faith by recognizing the authority of others' beliefs through social interaction and the authenticity, authenticity of their faith position. I don't know if you um, got to hear Leonard Allen and um, Lauren uh, the other day, but they even spoke to some of this, this folk Christianity that, that's, or spirituality that students develop, that people develop. Uh, this is not happening just with young people, but it's very pronounced in that space. Again, we would all know this working with students. And I think Jeff said it so well uh, at the luncheon, this idea that students are looking for things that are authentic. But that being said, they want to make up their own minds when it goes to that. So this idea that um, believing in something just because, it, that's tough. That's a tough sell. That's a tough sell. Go to the next one, please. This is probably my favorite, but also my least favorite. This, this happy midi narrative, this idea that 
you, you know, we've heard those expressions about being the main player, the main character in the story. That and so it's a bit. It, this goes a bit beyond that. So it's not the meta narrative of Christianity or the meta narrative of uh, socialism or anything like that. It's the midi narrative in the short term. What are some things that I can curate? Some life experiences that I can put on my social media or I can share. What can I do just to? to it's it's borderline hedonistic just to feel great right now, right in this moment. And, and that really drives a lot of decision-making, not just in um, individuals, but also in groupthink. So this idea that students are curating experiences for themselves and their peer group, their immediate peer group, it's a big deal for them. They want these heart-pumping um, moments. The other thing, too, that if, if you keep God in the picture, and again, post-Christianity, it's not like uh, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, or anything like that. It's, uh, it's more subtle. It's more nuanced than that. So you might have some spirituality. It's just going to be very nebulous. It's going to be like trying to nail jello to the wall. And one of the things that we see with students is this idea that you have a, you know, this, this little moralistic therapeutic guide that you sort of keep with, with you as you need, almost like a totem. Almost, you know, it's almost like a good luck uh, charm. But the if there's a perception of God, if there is, he's this celestial counselor, always ready to lend a hand and offer comfort. I hate to say this because I'm a huge Disney fan. Jeff knows this, but it's almost like this Disney-fied version version of spiritual spirituality or Christendom or those types of things. Like, you know, everything is is about this character and about their hero's journey, and 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 God is the cheerleader. That's it. God's the cheerleader. Go forward to the next thing. So, so with that, so what? What about that? This next bit. This is, comes from uh, Lutheran Queensland. This is a 10-year study, and I've tried to distill it down into some takeaways that, that again, can inform devotions, can inform, or devotionals, sorry, I believe is that what you say here. Uh, devotionals can inform um, lessons, uh, programming, activities. This is what's craved, and, and this is a study, this is a 10-year study that they keep fresh fair, uh, year in and year out about why students leave, why they stay, why they come back. And so we'll go through this fairly quickly and then I'll start winding down and handing off to Dudley. This is some things that they crave. Worship that connects. They crave this worship that seamlessly, and I think that's the key word, integrates the Word of God into their daily experiences. And we'll hear a couple of versions of that going forward. So as we think about mentoring, we think about youth ministry and what it means to to partner with parents and grandparents and step-parents and all these people. What, is it, what does it look like to find worship that connects? Which I know some of this is easier said than done, but this is what's being, this is what's being looked for and sought after in a post-Christian landscape. The other thing, too, is faith at home. Again, looking at long-term data, and Queensland just so you know, is about five times the size of Texas in land mass. The population would be quite a bit uh, smaller. But some of the things that are sort of these linchpins or these anchor points, Faith practices within the home, it produces long-term impacts. And I'm going to give you one stat that I was shocked when I saw it. It's going to come out of this later. Intergenerational bonds, huge deal. They flourish, and we talked about this at my table at lunch. I mean, some of this stuff we've known, but it's good to hear it again, and it's, it's good to see it confirmed from right out of the horse's mouth, you know, from students, from young people. Peer community, oddly enough, one of the things I was going to make sure that I share with you is, you know, we've been talking about 
a post-Christian landscape, youth groups as a, as a, a social construct in Australia, and I, I, would, I would think New Zealand as well, is super, they're super uh, popular. Now that may not mean anything, you know, as far as faith other than planting seeds. The reason it's popular is because parents are always looking for safe things for students to do, young people to do on Friday nights in our culture. So youth groups, I ran a youth group before COVID for 10 years and the council, the city council, they gave us money. They, they brought us on to advisory teams. So youth groups, again, so it cuts both ways, this post-Christian, pre-Christian, you know, um, this thinking in those terms. Youth groups are super popular and they really help with identity. I cannot tell you how many students that I'll have that are student leaders and they love God, they're sold out, and some of their best friends go to youth group with them. Friday night is the, the usual night, but they don't have any intention. It's like Harry, they, they like to listen, they like to listen to the messages and stuff, but they have no intention of, of changing their, their ways, not in the short term. Well, we pray. Discipleship, the, the, the students that keep going on this journey, they want to be discipled. They want to get these spiritual disciplines, but they want these things. One of the things that we keep seeing is everyday experiences, these things that, uh, that we may take for granted, but uh, not spirituality by rote, but these things that, that sort of form us, inform us, inform us. Sorry, I, I didn't think about the lingo. This, this transitional support is moving from place to place or stages of life is what this is about. But young people look for that. They look for that in crises, but maybe going to university, maybe coming to a new town. We had a, we, we have some tough aspects of youth culture that, that I, I don't have time to get into about binge drinking and violence and things like that. And we had a student years ago that we lost to, to both of those, to both of those. And we, um, <clears throat> we, you know, the news media came out. Uh, they were interviewing me because I was his chaplain. Uh, and you know he he passed he he somebody there was a fight and he died in a fight a fist fight and um, anyway so we had to we had to facilitate all these or got to facilitate all these services you know prayers vigils those types of things even for the community because it was such a shock to the system but this was national news and they were interviewing some of our team and and they knew that religion Christianity was informing our response. And this was a gotcha moment. And they said to one of, our, one of my teammates, they said, uh, because we were talking about prayer and support, and those, you know, church things, church responses. And they said, oh, religion, that's a bit of a crutch, isn't it? And that's what they said on live news. And my friend said back like this, he just said, well, you need a crutch when your leg is broken. Nice. <laughs> I mean, nice. So, I mean, it, and it, was, it was just the, the right word at the right time. But students do look for, these are great times to find specific ministry uh, opportunities and then they want this public faith they want to find what makes it real it's like the velveteen rabbit or pinocchio these stories you know these old stories these ancient stories have a they have a a storyline a familiar storyline because people want things that are real and they want they the other thing too is not so much apologetics even though that could be part of it but they want to have an answer for that hope as, as peter talks about and they want to be able to put that into words that their, their peer group understands. So a few more things, and then I'll, I will be handing it off to, to Dudley. This is, this is the Pope, the Kirk Pope, and uh, this is not his CV. I can't remember. It's Latin. It's not his resume. Um, 
But he says this. Thank you. I thought that was funny. Too. I thought of it on the way over. Christ is alive. He is our hope. And in a wonderful way, he brings youth to our world. And everything he touches becomes young, new, full of life. The very first words that I, that I would like to say to every young Christian are these. Christ is alive. And he wants you to be alive. Mm-hmm. Boy, and I think that's something we could all get behind. I mean, that's the story, right? That's why we do this. So if we go, just a few more takeaways very, very quickly. A bit more data, sorry. 50% of young adults that were involved in church in some way as a child, only 14% now attend monthly or more. Mm. Uh, we have a lot of nostalgic Christians, again, going back to the 64%. They may go to weddings. They may go to Christmas. I know sometimes CEOs, Christmas, Easter only. But uh, even that's diminishing. <laughs> I've not heard that. 98% of youth and young adults who had regular family devotions growing up attend church monthly or more. That is a crazy stat for a post-Christian landscape. That is a crazy... If, if you don't get anything else, make sure you get hold of that and pass that on to families. I'll speed up. Just so you know, they can choose more than one. This is over 10 years. Why they left, I'm just going to go through the top two, and like I said, it's on the app if you want to get the PDF. Too busy. Too many Christians lacked authentic faith. Again, there's that authenticity... Christians put me off or offended me. And again, they could choose more than one. But look at those top ones. Look at those top three. I mean, that's, that's, that wouldn't be a shock to any of us, I wouldn't think. <coughs> Go to the next thing. Why they returned, something was missing. Holy Spirit prompt, thirst for spirituality. Again, authenticity, again, in that top five, again, on this, on this chart as well. I know that this is a lot to, you know, it's a lot to take on board, but again, these, these very specific bits of data and feedback, these are, to me, it's very, very useful. Why they stayed, and I thought this was a great one too, and this may be very, you know, something that you want to get hold of as well, because, you know, coming out of uh, where, where you guys are, this could be very, very important. Family, friends, uh, was involved in spiritual activities, involved in church, teaching, youth group, Holy Spirit, again, in the top five, and then being taught well. A confirmation of the things that they again packing that faith suitcase that they had. So anyway, you can uh, even communion makes I think all these charts, which, which I thought was fascinating as well. I think I've only got a couple more. Here's what they value: welcoming community, the sermon, Jeff, number two, but also application of Bible to everyday life, and again communion in the top five on this. This is what they value. This is. This is people that they charted since 13 up into their early 20s. You go to the next. And then what helps them grow? Regular prayer, regular Bible reading, spiritual disciplines. The things that we oftentimes, it's almost like Vince Lombardi saying, this is a football. This is a football. Anyway, and what they want addressed, and this would be another one I think that would be integral as far as youth leaders, mentors, teachers. In-depth, authentic, number one. Small group community. How to, how to push back against post-Christianity. Well, I, I, that's how I would word number three. But you can see, even this, there's probably no surprises on this as well. To go to the next thing. And what they said was most important, which is slightly different. Uh, can you go back, please? Acceptance, love, and support. Look how it's off the charts compared to the others. But none of this would be, none of this would catch us off guard. Last, the last bit for me, this is again from the Pope. He says this, as far as outreach, and I think this is, so, this is so good for us as youth leaders to know, I trust that they know how to organize themselves. That's what he says. They know how to do social media and text and sports and all those things. 
What is most important, though, is that each young person can be daring enough to sow the seed of the message on that fertile terrain that is the heart of another young person. Boy, I think that's very, very strong. So again, so greetings from the other side. It's not as scary. There's something very challenging and rewarding to be in that space. And you know, it doesn't mean that it's, that's necessarily what's going to happen, but just some things to consider when you think about uh, planning. If you want all the raw data, it's also linked to in that PowerPoint. That's it. Yeah. Thanks, well, everyone. Two things before, yes. uh, before we let you sit down. Um, one, if you want the slides, uh, we're going to try and make that easy for you. Uh, we're going to put an address up here. I'll write it on the board where you can just send an email to. Uh, yes, that means we have your email, so we can let you know about <laughs> things we're doing. Uh, but uh, if you just put the word Australia in the topic, you put the word Australia in the topic, and we'll send you Mike's, uh, Mike's slides. Mike, I've got two questions for you. Question number one, you've done youth ministry here, you've been in youth ministry there. If you were to give us the top one or two thoughts from the standpoint of what's, you know, one of them was those family devotionals. That's a I crazy, know, I know. Yeah, I, yeah. amazing step. Just, 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 just bullet this for us. Uh, from from all you've seen and learned there, would you? Well, I, I, probably the one that I would keep coming back to, and I tried to sort of intimate it as we were going through that, is, and, and we know this, is, is young people want something that's authentic. And I would say that that goes both ways because, I, I mean, I was in youth ministry for 15 years in Alabama. I saw yeah. plenty of students that were at every devotion, you know, every youth group activity. And then you, you check in with them years later because a lot of youth ministry is sowing the seed. You know what I mean? Just sort of planting these seeds to see what happens. And so 10 years down the line that, you know, they've walked away from everything because some of that, and that's one of the things that, that God used to, to get us across the, the Pacific is we wanted something where people, and I don't mean this to be offensive, um, that didn't play church. Uh, you know, we wanted, if, one of the things that you see historically, I, I teach history as well, is that, Christianity always does better when it's sort of pushed into a corner and people have to choose. They have to choose to live differently than everybody else. Because anybody can play church. Anybody can play church. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that authentic thread I've seen everywhere, everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. The second just would be, how are you dealing with the challenge of the digital world that these kids are living in? I know Redlands has some in restrictions and such, and yet I'm assuming that kids there are as well to as we are. Any thoughts, any things you've seen, any researches you'd point folks? Well, Dudley and I were just chatting a bit about that as well, and um, and I know that we're going to hear some more. These sessions are going to build on each other. Look, I don't. there's no easy answer for that. What we've done in our space is we've tried to lean into it and tried to, you know, tried to harness it for, for God and for good. I, I don't know how successful we are at that. But all that being said, I would suggest to you that even in that space, like if you're using something to check in with students or if you're using social media, what's, what's fundamental in that is that it's authentic, that it's not just, you know, that, that dichotomy between flash and substance. Whatever it is, you know, it's, it's got to have some heft to it. It's got to be real. Yeah. 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 One, one thing that I've in discussion with some youth ministers said is they have changed the way they use graphics and change the way they use visuals. They say that if a visual looks like it came off some stock website, it seems to blow right by. The visual may be poorer, but if you actually took it with your phone, if it was actually somebody you knew, if it's real, teens' heads pop up. Because yeah. they see 
they see the copy paste stuff all the time. Well, that, sorry, that's the other thing. That, that again, if you can find a way to get something authentic, authentic that's digital, yeah. digital. Even last night, I've got some student leaders, you know, as, as you would have that I, that I work with, and I said, hey, can you film some stuff? And the stuff. Well, they'll never hear this. The stuff that they film is very different, and edit is very different than what I would do. But theirs is, is heaps more popular than, than anything that I could write together. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, Mike, what can we be praying for the ministry there about? Uh, just um, very specifically, you know, and uh, I've told Jeff this, during COVID, we wrote a visa program for, um, for people of our faith here, the Church of Christ, institutions and churches, we can have up to three people that are youth ministers, youth pastors in a school setting, and the federal government approved it. I, I mean, in, in record time. I mean, it, would, it may have been four weeks or less, which is crazy. But we are looking for people. We're looking for fresh eyes. We're looking for people just to come over there and, and um, be salt and light. And how long would the visa last for? Well, we can do, we can, it, we can be as short as six months, it can go up to a year, and then it can be re, redone. So I think we, we can keep someone up for about two years. Wow. Yeah, two years. Yeah. And with a... And when you say keep them, not by force, I mean, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Australia has a prison, <laughs> prison background, yeah. And, oh. it, and, it can, and it does have a good salary, too. It's not, it's, it, there'd be a salary attached to it. Anyway, talk to me, email, uh, my contact details are... Or somewhere they're floating around, and certainly they'll be they'll be in there. Yep. Mike, thank you for what you do, and I'm going to just pause right here, and I'm going to ask Victor if you would just say a prayer for Mike and for the ministry that's happening in Australia. Would you? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for waking us up. We thank you for this location and the fresh air, and we thank mm -hmm. you for this collection of people who are following Jesus, wanting to learn more. We thank you for Mike. We thank you for his ministry, his heart, the passion he has. God, we see it, we're feeling it. Um, it's cool to see the data but also to see the heart behind it. Uh, he is data informed and he's wanting to inform us on what's going on, uh, what the people he leads and that he walks with daily. But we pray for encouragement, support, and care in all the things that he does. Uh, may he feel it from us in this prayer. May he feel it as he heads home, God, and as he touches down back home where he's ministering, just give him the energy to keep going, give him the spirit uh, to keep going and to have fun while ministering to all those people. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank Amen. you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. All right, we're shifting gears now, uh, literally to the other end of the life spectrum. But with, <laughs> I don't mean that presenter-wise. There is no one that I know in the churches of Christ to have had more influence on programs for young people on raising up youth ministers and on impacting Churches of Christ youth ministry than our next presenter. He is a dear friend, but that's not why I said all that. He is absolutely a force that has been used by God. The National Conference on Youth Ministry in the Church of Christ, largest gathering of all youth ministers, he kind of birthed it and continues to lead it. Winterfest, the largest gathering of Church of Christ young people in the country. We had 3,000 in Arlington, Texas, and 6,000 gathered together in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And if you're saying, wow, those numbers are impressive, they aren't. Because before COVID, there were nearly 12,000 young people who would come to Winterfest for a weekend in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and five or six that would come to Arlington. Praise God that you know the, the teens have, have, have been coming back. But 
Dudley has had this heart for, well, decades and decades and decades, as long as I've known him. And God has used him in an amazing way. So I have to say, I was shocked when I said, what are you working on research watch? I'm interviewing grandparents. Why are you interviewing grandparents? They got one foot in heaven already. You know, I mean, leave them, leave them alone. They're too tired to sin. They're, they'll, 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 be, they'll be fine. I say all that as a grandparent, by the way. Um, but what he has found is that one of the burning questions, how do we pass the faith of the next generation, may have as much to do with two generations up as it does with just the mom and dad. So once again, Something's going to be research-based, and if that kind of presentation, like, I want something, I think it will inspire you, but I want you to listen to the things that he has found talking to families who were successful in passing on faith, as well as those who were not. Would you please make welcome, from Oklahoma Christian University, <coughs> Dr. Dudley Chancy. So one of my students, former students, are here, and I just want to give him the best student yes. award. Yes. <laughs> it was over there. I don't know whose it is. I'd like to. I'd like to. All right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold, wait, 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 wait. we have something we want you to take back and to put up at Oklahoma Christian University. <laughs> I bought the shirt today, $75. <laughs> and while we are at it, who here has been in youth ministry the shortest amount of time? Okay. How long you been there, Brandon? I started on January 16th of this year. This is your first youth ministry? Yes. Okay. Well, we have a, uh, a little uh, Bluetooth speaker that says Crossways on it in tiny print. We don't know why. But uh, here, it's got a cord and such. And we want to say congratulations. Thanks. And, and, and welcome to an, a most exciting, everybody at youth minister say exciting. Exciting. And wonderful opportunity. To, who, and who's number two? Ten months? Am I right? Coming at you. Brandon, stand up. Brandon serves in youth ministry in California. I wish I had two more to give you. And at the Rancho Cordova Church of Christ, he's also a Pepperdine grad. Thanks, man. Good deal. So, more giveaways in a moment. Yes, sir. Oh, no. I, I mean, I, I, if, if, you, if you can wedge in both, I'll leave it up to you. I'll leave, you, you you're, you're, you're the researcher. I'm sure all these guys have all they need to know about dealing with LGBT. I mean, it's, their congregations have got it wired. They know exactly how to, to handle it. I'm not joking. That's what some of the other research projects have done. If you want to go there, go there. Is that what you're lined up to? No, this is all. You're, you, you want them to vote? Or you want to split the time? You want me to split it? Sure. So we got the grandparent research, and then we've got some research that is painful but important. Um, he was asked to research and did research on how does the church treat the LGBTQ community. Now that's not from the side of asking the church. This research is from the side of sitting down with LGBTQ plus people and asking them. Tell me what makes you welcome. Tell, tell me what makes you run away. So uh, I'll, This will turn you into a grandparent. So yeah, I'll, 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 I'll let you figure. I'm going to do this real quick, and then do some some of the grandparent stuff, and then what's our uh, time thing? 
Uh, How much? Well, let's see. You have the next 45 minutes. You used 10 of mine. <laughs> you may be an elder, but you're not one here. Uh, <laughs> Just say stop. Okay. I, I can do that. So uh, a secular organization, the Groves Conference on Marriage and Family, asked me one year to contribute a chapter to a book about sex and politics and specifically said, I'm their resident holy person, and, and these people are secular academic. They don't give a rip about much. And, and so they said, how does the, treat, the church treat the LGBTQ, RS, whatever community? And so uh, my wife and I went around the country, literally, and, and interviewed uh, Church of Christ people. That I'm from Churches of Christ, and um, and and so we we went and found these people, and a lot of it was a snowball thing. Uh, I actually found a pretty famous Church of Christ person that still hasn't come out to public, but uh, I was interviewing a. Uh, person in Nashville and they kind of slipped and said something and I thought oh my goodness is that and they went oh man his wife doesn't even know and uh, so my wife and I a week later got on a plane and flew and met this guy and it's, it's unbelievable but anyway so uh, what are you talking about he, he, he's coming out as he he is gay, but three people in the world know it, kind of deal. I'm sure if you tell us, we can keep it very very. <laughs> I'll just put it on Instagram this afternoon. Y'all can get that. By the way, if you use your phone during this presentation, it's minus ten for you. Uh, it's twenty for whoever's going off. Uh, so. Uh, some of these uh, people were former students in Christian colleges. Uh, two of them got kicked out of some of our sister schools for being gay. Um, the the sad kind of stuff was that they mourned not being in our fellowship and being able to even go there. They they weren't that. A couple of three of them were former ministers obviously had to retool their life when people found out that they were gay. Uh, they had not totally, it just happened. But um, the thing that, uh, maybe some of the things that we don't realize that are dear to us, uh, a couple of them, two different occasions said, you know, uh, we go, me and my partner go to a Anglican church now. We can't be ministers there because we're not ordained. So we just go sit, go home, kind of deal. And two different occasions, people said, we miss a cappella singing. Nobody does it better than us. We miss communion every week. And we, we miss our tribe, you know. So there's, uh, talking about the things Mike talked about and everything, and endearing our students to the church of Jesus, uh, if you're baptizing people into your church, you're probably doing it wrong. Uh, baptize them into Jesus and you'll be better off. But uh, th these people missed those kind of things. And so this is in a chapter in a book. You can, you can go buy it uh, somewhere online. But uh, how, many of you, how many of you know where the 
Christian LGB first gay church started? Does anybody know? Florida. I mean, I, you would think California. I would. I was going to write it up. <laughs> uh, Atlanta, Georgia, 1946. First, first gay church. I found that out. How many of you know, if you're Church of Christ, there was an all-gay Church of Christ? Who knew? Um, I started tracking that down, and I got an anonymous email one day. And it's anonymous because I went to try to find out where it was. It was set up like at 1 o'clock, sent me an email, and taken down like at 2 o'clock. Um, it was a PDF of years and years of the bulletin of this church in Houston, the Montrose Church of Christ. Anybody may ever heard of that. It is that community still there. It's actually one of the largest gay communities in our country. But the, but the church is gone. Uh, but I thought it's pretty interesting. I, I spent probably two days reading through all of their bulletin. And uh, I just thought this was really crazy. In one bulletin, there's an announcement. It says, uh, the bus will be leaving for the, Pepperdine, or the Abilene Christian Lectureships uh, Wednesday afternoon. Be there at 4 o'clock load up, we'll head out, but we got to be back Friday night because we got to float in the Gay Pride Parade. Mm. <laughs> I was like, we're going to the Abilene Lectures. <laughs> we gotta, you know. And that, that's in their church bulletin. And it's just, the, the thing that struck me reading through their bulletin was the community that these people have and, and how important that was and the support and everything. Um, and so I, I went to Houston to try it, and it's, it's just it's not there. Um, and I can't find anybody that was in it or will man up or woman up and talk about it or whatever, and uh, a piece of our history, but it is documented. It's uh, amazing to me to read their bulletins and things. Um, I, I interviewed uh, males and females, black and white. Um, there's, there's a great uh, th this chapter is probably worth just getting the bibliography of, of sources and things like that. And um, uh, some of my relatives are in this, uh, love them to death. Uh, people ask me when I do this, like in this crowd, what's the silver bullet? And uh, I, I was telling Jeff, the sil silver bullet's L1, L2. Uh, Jesus pretty big on that one. Everything, I mean, the text says everything else hangs on those two things. I suck at both of those. I'm, I'm working on the God one. The one without y'all's, I'm not good at that at all. Y'all know what L1, L2 is. Can you translate that? Matthew 22, love God, love others, kind of deal. Um, and I, I was interviewing a, a young lady, and she said, you know, the thing that um, bothered me was, when my church kicked me out, I, I needed, I mean, God made, that's what the church is, I'm, you know this, community, and I all of a sudden I didn't have that, and so I found it, I thought, in gay bars, and she said, I realized after getting involved in alcohol, a little bit of drugs, that she said it was so sad 
that I had to go there to find community and deal with all this other stuff that I had never done in my life, sex, drugs, and alcohol, to have community. You know, she's, and she ended her quote, said, wouldn't it be nice if, if I could go to a church and have that deal? Two ladies that I interviewed uh, grew up together in a church in a faraway state, uh, went off to different colleges, Christian colleges, got married. Uh, one, I think their spouse died, the other one, adultery or something, divorce. They moved back home. They both have kids. Um, they go back to their home church where they grew up in. They're, both of their parents still go to that church, and they, they fell in love, got married. She sent me video. <laughs> this is, uh, this one got me. Uh, there's an elder in that church every Sunday morning when they walk in, he comes at them and tells them to get their self out of their church. We don't want your kind here. She sent me that video. It's this elder. Just, and I thought, oh my goodness, I do not want to be known as somebody, you can't come to my church. Wow. Uh, and I said, why do you keep going there? And he said, well, our parents are there. We want our kids to know Jesus. We grew up knowing Jesus. And she said, quite frankly, the pastor there, the preacher's affirming. He loves us. He loves God, loves others. And that's our home. That's our church. And this man is, is not going to run us out. But I watched that video over and over, and I just thought, oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff in here, uh, especially comparing uh, the gay rights movement to the civil rights movement. And there are some similarities, but it's, it's different. And I give, there's a couple of pages about that. And then there's some takeaways. When you do qualitative research, you're looking for uh, themes. And so uh, let me just I'm gonna give you a couple of those. Um, there was a fear of victimization. It does not appear with age or experience. Uh, I had some focus groups come to my house. Uh, these were college students that went to a Christian university pretty near my house. I won't tell you where it's at. And they, they would not meet with me at school. And, uh, and I only knew two that I knew. I knew there were more probably, but I only knew two kids that, that were gay. And so I went to them and said, would, would you come have supper at my house? And, and you two come. Well, 10 showed up, and so my wife's cooking this feast for these. And we sat at my house till 3 o'clock in the morning, just going around telling stories. And the lights were dim around our big uh, table, and we're sitting there. And I felt somebody touch my hand, and I, I like, I'm, you know, <laughs> and it's a girl. And she just put her hand on mine, and she leaned over, and she said, uh, you know, if you like us, or help us, or do anything with us, they'll fire you. And I thought, ooh, I think I've got a little more validity there at that place than that, but uh, it's ended up proving to be a, a pretty toxic place uh, in, in 2023, at least for this group of people. So that that's a sad kind of thing, too. Um, Finding number two, a theme. How long before churches really start doing what the Bible says about loving people? 
I mean, I would sit there with these people crying and saying, what is this church gig, you know, kind of thing that we grew up in? I invited, uh, I found uh, two ladies. One had actually gotten fired from a Christian organization because she married her partner. They had been kicked out of two churches of Christ there in our city. And I called them and said, would you, would you come to my house and, and I'm doing this thing? And they said, no, we'll, we'll meet you in a public place. So we went to Johnny's. Uh, we started at 6 a.m. At 12.30, they came and told us we were going to have to wash dishes or get out, and, and we shut it down. We're walking out in the parking lot, and lady just grabbed Vicky and me and turned around and, and asked us to pray for them. And then she said, if you ever invite us to your house again, we'll come. And I thought, oh, why didn't you come tonight? And she said, the last two times we got invited to somebody's house, there were elders there, and they jumped us yeah. and tried to save us or whatever. And I thought, wow. I said, we don't let elders in our house. So. <laughs> uh, number three, do the LGBT communities think about self-harm, suicide, death more than straight communities? Two of the people I interviewed had tried suicide. Uh, one kid said, and this kid's from a very famous Church of Christ family, and he said, you know, I prayed every day the first five years after I, people found out I was gay that God would kill me. I'd get run over by a truck or hit by a train or anything. So the pain was just daily uh, lonely, uh, missing my, my church uh, kind of deal. And I thought, wow, uh, that's crazy. Uh, does celibacy work for some in the LGBT communities? Uh, Dr. Shelley talked about that this morning in his talk a, a little bit about that. Uh, celibacy is the new conversion therapy. It's like, okay, you can be gay, but be celibate uh, kind of deal. Um, used to be we sent them to Exodus or whatever, but now it's just, it's okay to be gay, don't tell anybody, and don't practice that kind of deal. Um, that does not work with this group of people, by the way, that you can imagine, I hope. Uh, fifth thing, there are people in the LGBT communities that are very spiritual. I met some of the most spiritual folks. Two out of the 25 people that we interviewed still go to Churches of Christ. Uh, one of them is actually a children's minister and uh, leads singing at this church. And I, and I said, your, your church knows, right? And he said, yeah. Uh, but we have, I, I'm celibate. I, I have no desire to go have a relationship with a guy. I'm just, I don't like women. I, I'm attracted to men. I don't get that, people. I just, I just don't get the thing about, I am not attracted to you at all, dude. Uh, you can have the trophy and everything. But uh, I, I just, I don't get that as a guy, uh, how that even works. Um, uh, uh, the other Church of Christ person, same thing, celibate, uh, very involved in her church, and, and everybody knows it, and they, they love her. And she says, I'm, you know, I'm not married or wanting to marry anybody. I'm just don't like men. Uh, anyway. Uh, being spiritually involved in a church did not and does not come without a struggle. 
I've told you the story of those ladies that keep going to church, uh, but everybody but two of them had to change church and go to a affirming kind of church. Uh, you may not agree with me, but thank God for the disciples of Christ, <laughs> part of our restoration history. A lot of those churches, not all, because I've interviewed some of them, are, are not affirming, but many are. And um, I've actually gotten some of our students that are doing youth ministry, love Jesus. Uh, they're two of them. They're trans. They they wanted to do internships or whatever, and I, I got them internships in some of these churches that are affirming, and and they tell them up front, "This is who I am. This is you know." And it, once again, I don't I don't get that one either, but I want to try to love them. Uh, coming out brings on multiple stressors because of the different context uh, participants feel they need to come out to. Uh, so I, I did several of those. Uh, family is one, and have several examples there. Uh, school, coming out in school. Uh, there was this huge guy, and I'm not talking like a big fat guy. I'm talking about a big, like, I could kill you if I look at you guy. <laughs> one of our students that, that was in this focus group one night at our house, and he grew up in a big city. They were members of a big Church of Christ. And in ninth grade, he just came out. So I'm, I'm gay. He was an all-state football player. And uh, his church, when they found out, they said, you're not welcome here. Divorce situation, him and his mom. So they went to another Church of Christ in town. Some kids in the youth group told uh, the youth minister that, that he was gay. The elders met with him and said, eh, it's probably better if you don't come here, kind of deal. Uh, he ended up at another Church of Christ in that same big city, and they were like, you're welcome here. Uh, he even let him be an intern. Uh, changed his life. He said, you know, maybe there are some good churches or whatever. Came to Oklahoma Christian, uh, engineering student or whatever. So th there's, there's some good things like that. Uh, coming out at work, what that does to you, and then coming out at church. So looked at all those uh, different contexts. Um, I asked uh, what churches need to know. Don't be hesitant to talk about the subject. Be open-minded. Most of all, love. Listen to us five times. Don't mistreat my children. Uh, treat us like you would want to be treated. Hear our stories two times. Walk with us two times. <coughs> Churches should be a safe space. Take a stand. Do the right thing, even if it's not popular. We're not bad people. Stumble along with us on this journey. Teach love, grace, walk with us. Ignorance is a tool people use to not have to address the tough times. Stop the rhetoric. Stem the hatred. Church is a great support group. We all need that. Uh, different things like that. Uh, anyway... That's depressing kind of thing, but there were some. Right, we're, we're, we're not going to let you just walk away that fast and jump into grandparents. Josh, you're wrong. I need you to process two questions for me. Um, first, I cannot agree more about loving and loving first. Um, but I know that the, the wrestling match, the balance point is... If I believe 
that what Scripture teaches about homosexuality is that it is a sin. Um, what? How do you, as a, as a church leader, as a person who has served in ministry for so many years, how do you take that conviction? I mean, one, one of the comments was, take a stand, even if it's unpopular. And I know people who would say, that's what our church has done. We take a stand that this is sin. Some people say it's a very unpopular stand. But we want to love. I mean, is, is there any places you would say, you don't need to name them, but, but are, there, are there any models of how to have what I know one guy calls conviction without compromise, with compassion? I called our seven largest churches of Christ in the country and asked them what their um, stance or whatever you call it was on the LGBT community. Um, three of them said, we're, we're don't ask, don't tell. Uh, the other four said, uh, no comment. Literally hung up on me. Uh, and, I, you know, I think if we, this is me, okay, is this being recorded? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I was going to say a bad word. I mean, it's not bad. It's, it's it, Josh, is it bad? It's bad. It's bad. Okay. Uh, I, you know, you, if you kick anybody out of church for a sin, I'm out. Liar. Hypocrite. Uh, I give just, you some more, I give you some more. Yeah, it's Jeff, Jeff, yeah, he's accountability. He knows it all. Uh, although, I'll say this. Read Hebrews. David and Samson are up there. I'm in. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, I'm there. <laughs> if they're there. Anyway, uh, I, I, that's where I come down to a lot. I think, God, what? I mean, we all want to can point to Jamie and say, I'm glad I ain't like him. You know, I'm better than him. And so I, I don't know that you can kick somebody out unless you start getting rid of all the other... I get you. Lions of sin, right? Huh? Lions, lions, lions of sin. Uh, pride's of sin. Uh, bigotry's of sin. Yes. But, but the challenge is if somebody says to me, Hey, Jeff, I need you to know I am pro-bigotry. Uh, okay, uh, man, I, 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 I just, I'm pro-lying, right? Whoa, 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 well, I mean, we all struggle. No, no, I don't struggle. I believe, not only is it okay, I believe that's the way God made me. God made me to be a liar. And so that's just who I am. And, and you, you've heard this, and you've wrestled with this. And I think what, what those of us who are working in churches where, in general, the reality that I'm finding is people say, yes, I believe homosexuality is sin. And I believe L1, L2, we've got to, we've got to love these folks. Uh, is there anything that you found, discovered, or even, that, you know, as you and Vicki have these people in your home, uh, I mean, I, it, it's here, these people, right? You know, it's, 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 that's what happens. So, so when I think about my own gay friends, when I think about my Church of Christ gay friends, I still confess that I'm just wrestling with how not to have them say, yeah, but I'm a second-class citizen to you and always will be because you think homosexuality is a sin. 
I think about my friends that are fornicators, most of my students, uh, not youth ministry students, those people on the, the engineers and the, those people, the, the theater people, those, those people, none of our ministry people. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, the practice of homosexuality, the practice of yeah. fornication. Uh, and I think you're drawing the distinction between the identity somebody says this is what I feel and the activity as you say celibacy is uh, what many churches would say hey you're fine so long as you don't quote act on that tendency or if you do you're struggling like you know all all of us when it comes to that Uh, and I'm and I'm not trying to pin you no and I, I imagine and hope we are all wrestling what I think has to be put front and center is that every single generation, the ones who are now in college and the ones who are now in junior high school and the ones who are now in second grade, they are having much different conversations. The and ones, the, yeah, the, go ahead. The go ahead. internet obviously exacerbates this whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't have the internet. We wouldn't be talking today about this. I don't think it'd be so way back there in Australia or somewhere. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'll tell you this, you better, you better know what you're talking about. I, I met with a student last week specifically knowing I was going to come here and might talk about this. The student uh, identifies gay. And we sat down, and I love her to death. She, she actually does work for me, and she's incredible. And I said, tell me why you're gay. I said, I'm just going to ask you. And she knows me. I say what I want to say. But, um, Clearly. I said, I said uh, t- why, how do you know you're gay? I mean, help me uh, talk about it. And I'm telling you, man, she had all the answers about genetics and everything you can think of that you've ever heard of justifying being gay. She had it. She knew it. She's ready for that question. You know, and we're over here going, well, it's, it's a sin. It's in the Bible. It's a sin. That's all we know. And we, you know, and, and I'm trying to understand genetically. Uh, you know, if you went to Rubles, if you didn't go, you need to get the tape. And there's a book that he talks about. I, I sat right there and ordered that book. Um, it was something about the possibility the possibility uh, by a lady named K-E-E-N Keen. I just, I clicked on Amazon and ordered it. Anyway, um, I mean, the, the idea of, uh, they're some of the most courageous people I know. I stood and watched people drowned at Panama City one year. Literally drowned. They had a helicopter going and getting, it was a bad undertow, and they were dragging these bodies. They were laying on the beach where we were, and I had went to get some food for my family, and I heard a scream, and I come back across the street, and there's a kid going out. His mom's screaming. The lifeguard is standing there with his Baywatch stuff, and he goes, I can't. It's, it's too late. My wife's cousin, who's as gay as, a, as it can be, dives in swims out and saves that kid and comes back 
I'm kind of going, wow, okay. I mean, shoot. Uh, it's hard to hate somebody like that. And I was as homophobic as they come. We had two boys. And my greatest fear was not that they would go to hell. My greatest fear was that they might be homosexual. Uh, that was my greatest fear. I met with some guys in Honduras, some dads down there, uh, talking about teenagers one year. And we were sitting at a table talking. And I said, tell me about teen sexuality. I was doing a paper about that. And this dad, he's an he's a elder in one of our churches down there, and he said, it's really weird here. You touch my daughter, I'll kill you. But I'll go get a prostitute for my son so he can have sex and know how good it is to be with a woman so he won't be gay. If you're gay in Honduras and try to hide it, they'll kill you. Now, if you're, if you're gay and you're out there just flamboyant and being a clown, everybody just, they laugh. But... It's, it's dangerous. I've taken some of my friends to Honduras, and I tell them that. I said, you, you stay with me because people are... And of course, we take them out in Colorado and hang them on a fence and kill them. But anyway. Well, wow. let's move right into grandparenting. Wouldn't it be loverly if we'd just gone with the grandparents <laughs> is what I've got to say. Uh, I'm going to give you three words because I feel I need to. Love, pray, serve. That's where I'm at. <coughs> Step one is I want to make sure I'm showing love to whoever God puts in front of me. I want to make sure that I'm saying, what can I pray for you about? And that I am asking God to bless and draw them to him. Mm -hmm. And I've got to find ways to put my body where my mouth is, which is find ways to serve them, find ways to help. And yes, I can do all of that while saying, boy, you and I have absolutely divergent views on the issue of, uh, you know, gender and uh, those relations. But I can do those three. And it's been helpful for me when I feel like I'm in deep water going, man, I don't know what to think about this. Love, pray, serve. And the good news is there is a judge who knows all which is more than me and more than you. Can I get a, oh yeah? Yeah, yeah? And when somebody said, well, Jeff, why, are you, why do you steal over the Bible? Well, I believe that God is smarter than me. And he laid out some things about this issue, and I'm just going to roll with those things. And they are love, pray, and serve. But for me, they are also, okay, here's what Scripture says about it. Thank talk, you. talk about grandparents. Thank quick, you. quick, quick. I want to say this because somebody mentioned it, uh, and it might have been Mike or, or whatever in our lunch. Um, and this is not promoting or whatever. Uh, my, my minister's here in the room at my church, and he, he's actually interviewed me and my sons on a Sunday morning on stage uh, about the practice that Vicki and I had of a nightly, no matter what, uh, devotional time with our boys from zero till we finally kicked them out uh, and sent them off to whatever um, and so 10 o'clock every night uh, we read the Bible together uh, we all went around and prayed which I got busted for that because women aren't supposed to pray but baptize boys uh, my wife is Jesus Christ and so I, she prays with me every day and I'm like I'm good you know and I want my boys to hear that yeah. so 
just don't tell your elders that you can't let women pray that you're doing it in your house. Anyway, but I, I look at that and, and we talk about this because I, when I talk to parents and, and they go, well, we've never done it and we stop. I mean, if you go home, any of you today and say, all right, kids, tonight we're going to start it, your teenager will kill you because they're like, that's a hypocrite. You, we've never done it. Why are we doing it now? you got to lay some grain, groundwork and say, first of all, I'd like to apologize for not being the spiritual leader in my family, and I'd like for us to try to do this, and you guys help me do it. But um, my, my boys do it with their children, and uh, we've been in their home at night, and they're putting it, and the girls all pray. And I'm like, I told Vicky one night, they all prayed, and they all recited Psalm 23. And I told her, Jesus, just kill me right now. I'm done. I did it. I passed it on to three generations. It's, that's, that's what we do. And that's kind of the impetus of what got me into doing this, uh, this project about grandparents is how do we pass our faith on? So the, the number one thing I would tell you, and Josh, I'm going to do this like in five minutes so you can have the rest. Um, if, if I don't do my children right, Y'all going to have kids? Oh, yeah. Okay, write this down. Um, if I don't pass my faith on to my children, and it's not important to me, uh, we went to church every time the doors were open. I hate church. I'm just going to say, I, I hate it sometimes. It, it just, uh, I talked to a minister, he retired one time, and I saw him sitting in our audience, and I said, what, what do you think about sitting here? He said, I can't believe we do this to people. And I, and I was like, okay. Now, I'll say this, not to patronize, but we have a pretty incredible week-in, week-out minister, so don't, don't try to get him while he's here. Um, but it, that's what you do. You, church was important. If it's not important to me, it will not be important to our kids. Tennessee. Orange, very important in our family. Balls for life, very important. We baptized our two daughter-in-laws in Nayland Stadium at a football game. You know, it's one of those things. If you ask my four granddaughters what my favorite color is, it's orange. What's the best football team in the world? Tennessee. It's brainwashing. That's what you do. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 is, is brainwashing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. Impress, like, impress this on your children. You got to do it, man. You can't blow that off. And if you are doing that, man, go home and figure out how do we get into that and start doing that uh, with our kids. So uh, in this study, you know, we asked grandparents. Uh, did you? What did you do with your children? Uh, amazing how much they would say, here's what we wanted to do. They didn't do it, but they wanted to. And we're trying to figure out what that means too. We've got some ways to set up some scales to do some predictive stuff as we do this. Uh, keep the study going. So uh, you can download this whole thing somewhere else and get uh, this deal. Um, my students did their final presentations at our house uh, last Wednesday. Uh, they had to do a parent seminar. If you were a youth minister and had to do a parent seminar, 
what do you think would be the most pressing topic that you would do your seminar on? And so they come to my house and we do it on the big screen. And uh, one of them was sports. And uh, there's one of our brothers up in, where's Adam Metz? In which church in Ohio do you know? He's at a church in Ohio. He wrote a book about sports and faith and how sports, and you guys know, they're our God, you know, one of our things. And, and parents will make sure their kids do good in sports and do good in academics. I tell my students, um, I don't know if you remember, Alan, but uh, if you got a test question you don't know the answer, it's probably Jesus or economics. It probably is. It's one of those. It's about money kind of stuff. And, and so they get focused on, you know, I got to get my kid some kind of scholarship or whatever. And so I ask these, these grandparents, what's the most important thing, you know? And, and then I had this down at the bottom, other. If you're doing surveys, don't put other on there with old people because they'll just write vomit things about other. For example, I, I asked a question, where did you go to church growing up? And there's like 20 things, everything from Catholic to atheist to Church of Christ. Um, and so they would select that. And then near the end, where do you go now? And believe it or not, that changes. I had 60-something Catholics at the beginning. Only two are still Catholic. A bunch of Church of Christ are not Church of Christ anymore or whatever. But in the other part, they would put like, well, I'm Church of Christ, but not what you're thinking. I mean, I don't know what that means statistically. Or I'm Church of Christ, but I'm very liberal. Or I'm Church of Christ, and I'm, I'm like the one in the Bible. And stuff like that. Uh, anyway, so a lot of different things there. Uh, there's a section in, uh, in here about the number one books. Uh, this was from February, so some of these are out, but you can look that. I mean, all of these books are about how to parent and et cetera, and then I put a couple of here from grandparents uh, on there. But if, uh, if you requested the Australia stuff, this will come along yeah, with it. Yeah. If you didn't and just want to put in, uh, or just put Dudley in the, uh, in the subject yeah. line, we'll make sure and get this PowerPoint to you too. But if you request the Australia material, we'll put all this in one PowerPoint package for you. Yeah. One of the things we asked was, uh, do you have access to your grandchildren? And to me, it was, it was pretty sad so far. It, it, it may get more better, robust, to use an academic term. I think we're going to find in Hispanic families that it's, it's going to be pretty tight. But in our mostly white, rich people that have done this survey so far, uh, they talk about, well, we don't have access because we're in Florida. That's a choice. Uh, my wife and I, our dream was to move to Honduras when, when I, quote, retired and do mission work the rest of our life. We had grandchildren. She's like, we're not moving. <laughs> I said, you can go visit or whatever. Uh, so we built a little apartment down there, and, and we'll go back and forth, but we're, we're not moving there uh, kind of deal. Because she is the, uh, for example, for Easter, what do you get in Easter eggs? Money, candy. Our girls get Bible verses, and they have to open them up, and Mimi reads the ones that can't read, reads it to them, then they get candy or get money. I'm thinking, is that bribery? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
uh, all those kind of things like that. So uh, there, there's a lot of stuff in here about uh, grandparents. There's a soul searching book I mentioned. Um, here's an interesting stat. In the soul searching book, 67% uh, of the highly devoted teenagers, church teenagers, were uh, eight uh, of the 8% of that were Mormon. And when you think about that, at least in our town, and I'm, if you have a Mormon church in your town, at 6 o'clock every morning during school year, kids are in what they call seminary. You couldn't wake me up at 6 o'clock when I was in high school. <laughs> I just, that didn't even happen. Uh, but if I go by on 2nd Street uh, or 15th Street where our Mormon church is, uh, these kids, are, they're there at 6 a.m., um, Christian Smith, there's a video about soul searching you can get. He interviews some of these Mormon families, and they actually go and they sit, and these kids get up at 6 o'clock, and they, they're getting out in the car, and they're going, and they sit there for an hour learning about the Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrines and Covenants, and we're over here trying to get them to go to Sunday school maybe once a week or whatever. It's crazy. Uh, th this study is driven by Psalm 78, Psalm 71. Uh, Passing on your faith to the third and fourth generations, it's a command. We're going to get busted for that one, I think. But uh, anyway, if you, if you need a reason, that I would look at Psalm 78, Psalm 71. Um, kind of deal here. There are the four greatest granddaughters in the whole wide world. I, I told my wife I'd do this for her. Um, kind of deal here. Um, And then there, there's a bunch of stats in this lit review here that I'll put. I'm going to go through this. So here's the so what, just from uh, a few of these that I pulled out for this class today. Uh, and these are the people I'm getting samples from, uh, from this. It's pretty good. Um, I actually threw some of these out here just to get to some others. Oh, and grandpas suck. Okay, I just want to get that out. They, they won't do the survey. They're like, hey, she'll do it. And I'm like, no, I need, I need some grandpas to step up. <laughs> Men, let me say this to you. You are the spiritual leader in your family. I've had more women in 25 years of youth ministry, moms, come sit in my office and say, I wish my husband was like you. And I go, call Vicki. Because that, that, you probably don't, you know, but they're like, and if you're a minister, you're a man of the cloth, you're the holy person or whatever. And so um, the Alban Institute, just ladies, uh, at any one time, there's at least 10 women in your church after your husband. That's, that's research, you know, so just that was free. Uh, but, you know, I, you, it tells us about the, the men aren't the spiritual leaders in their home, and that's, that's a whole other deal. Um, I just want to do a couple here. This is part of the sample so far. Uh, so there's, I'm getting a lot of different uh, churches involved in there. And uh, we wanted to be able to do that to say, is, is, it, is a Catholic do this different than a Church of Christ person? Do they, because they, you know, all their kids go to catechisms or whatever they call it kind of stuff, you know, and uh, Presbyterians do that, Lutherans do that. So is, is there a, a difference there? 
Uh, Give us your last shot, man. Yeah, so you can see all this when you get that. There's a lot of stats here. And just keep following me. If you want to send me an email, I'll put you in the list to get updates. Uh, we'll start doing a daily or a weekly update in August. And now I'd like to introduce Jeff Wallen. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's Thank a lot you, of stuff here. I, I know it's a lot, a, a lot, a lot of research to, to pound together. Uh, I need everybody to stand up. Let's see how many of you know this one. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Yeah, that's right. That's the part where you woo woo. So here, let's try that one more time. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Satan is sure to flee. You, you guys didn't go to vacation Bible school at all, did you? At all. Turn around and give the person behind you a high five and say you're still awake. Way to go. Yeah. Don't hit him in the back of the head. All right. Stretch way up. Yeah, good, 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 good. All right, sit down and very quickly tell the person next to you, just real fast, the worst sin you ever committed. Just go ahead and do that. So, so when it comes to youth ministry and the word digital, you need to know that we have in the room one of the two guys who run the largest single digital service for youth ministry in the country, certainly for youth ministry within what we would call independent congregations. Um, Josh Griffin is a unicorn. He, he is a guy who worked at Saddleback and he worked at Mariners, does now. He is now currently a junior high pastor. That's just nuts. I mean, you know you're guaranteed heaven, you know. Uh, Amen. Amen. But he is also so engaged in making sure that the digital world is not just something that we cuss. It's not just something that we say, oh, there's so much junk out there, so much junk. And he and Doug Fields, how many here know the name Doug Fields? Okay, one of the best known youth ministers for a while in the country, Doug was at uh, Saddleback. Uh, watch this thing called Download Youth Ministry. And I'm not sure what all he's going to talk about, but I just need to tell you, if you do not know about Download Youth Ministry, you're about to be just, wow. All of the resources of some of the, these great churches are available to you for super, super cheap. But he's not here to do a commercial. I wanted to say that. I wanted to make you aware of that. He's here because I really, really believe that he's one of the guys, the best guys we could bring in that have a handle on how do we do digital and relational ministry, who is doing it right now. So, make Josh Griffin, please. Thank you. Uh, a little something. Yeah, that was good. It's $1, so. And I stole it from Dudley's wallet. So. That'll buy me one Yeah, you get one download. Hi, everybody. My name is Josh, and uh, I'm a junior high pastor from 88 miles away in Orange County, California. I've served in three churches in my life. One, a rural farm church in Michigan, 40 acres of corn, one acre of church. It was built during the 1860s and served there for eight years. Served at Southback Church 13 years. High school pastor. Started Download Youth Ministry to help youth workers have 
have killer resources regardless of the size of their church. And now I serve at Mariner's Church as a junior high pastor for the last four years. I was born and raised, the uh, guy speaking last night, I don't know his name, but he was raised in a youth group of 10. I was raised in a youth group of 12. So if you're here and you got 12 kids in your youth group, thank you, because I'm in that youth group. And I can still remember Jim and Eileen who crushed our youth ministry. They were incredible. He was a volunteer firefighter and a volunteer youth worker. Actually, I actually don't know how he made his money, because I, I have no idea. Uh, but he loved Jesus, loved me, and I'm here because of him in a tiny, awesome youth group. So whatever, I've seen it all. And uh, well, I'll, I'll be the last person to leave today, too. And I realize this is like a super session. You're getting three workshops or four and three. Uh, well, you're getting a lot. You're getting a lot. And uh, some ups and downs. We're going to have some ups, and we're going to rock and roll to the finish. All right, here we go. Uh, so down the mystery, thank you for that, Jeff. That was very kind. Uh, oh, the, I, I entitled this workshop, The Four Questions Teenagers Are Asking. I gave you a couple other varieties of the title slide because that sounded a little too like the four. And I was like, I don't know, or four of the many questions teenagers are asking or whatever. I'm not sure what it is. But Down the Youth Mystery, I'm actually going to uh, play a little game to just warm us back up and wake us back up for the end of the session. So Down the Youth Mystery exists to help people uh, just grab a program element that you need for this week. Super cheap. The game we're going to play is called Lamentations or Taylor Swift Lyric. <laughs> this is how it works. We're all going to play. I only brought four questions of it, though. Uh, this is a most popular game. It's been downloaded thousands thousands of times. And uh, it's going to put up a lyric from Taylor Swift or a scripture verse from the Book of Lamentations. They are oddly similar, so good luck, all right? Everybody on your feet, here's how the game works. You're gonna win. Jeff, how much should, should we, I'll give store credit to Download Youth Ministry. Okay, the I, average, I, I, got, I got some, I got Oh, you got some merch too? Oh, we got too? stuff too. Okay, we so got, we got some merch. we'll say 25 bucks to Download Youth Ministry, which is like more than a month's worth of stuff. You can Absolutely. go crazy, and some Pepperdine merch yeah, if, you, Pepperdine if you make it to the end. So here we go, no samples, no help, we're just going hard, here we go, all right? Is this a lament? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Here's an example of another game. This game is called, go ahead. Uh, so you want to move to Canada, which is a great, great game during like the elections. Depending on who wins, they're like, we're moving to Canada. So we have, we have a game about Canada. Here's another one. This one is called Emoji Movies. Oh, it just said, shows yeah. the emojis. You have to guess the movie. It's very, very fun. But let's do Taylor Swift and Lamentations. It's a good one. Here we go. All right. Uh, if, you're, if your guess is Taylor Swift, you're going to hold the guitar out. And if you think it's uh, scripture, you'd, you'd put you lock it in with the Bible, all right? Or maybe a phone if you're... Don't put a guitar with scripture. Yeah, don't. Yeah, with the guitar and scripture, we don't do. Right? Acapella. Acapella is beautiful, though. It was awesome. Brought back a lot of memories around... Uh, my, my family is really into it. All right, here we go. Enough. Here we go. We got a lot of time. Uh, here it is. She cries herself to sleep at night, tears soaking her pillow. Is it Taylor Swift or Lamentations? Lock in your answer now. We got some Taylors. We got all Taylors. Taylors. We got, what do you think? Bible? Taylor's no Taylor. Taylor, for sure. Yeah, I can tell you know you're Taylor Swift. I get it. All right, here we go. Correct answer is Lamentations. So if you said Taylor Swift, sit down. That's it. Some of you are immediately grabbing your Bible app going, what version are they using? Okay, so we have five, six left in. Here we go. Question number two. Uh, your knives and swords and weapons that you use against me. Is that Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift? Bible? Taylor Swift? And ma'am? Oh, it's like a ukulele. I couldn't tell. It's like you were like, I don't know. I don't know. Correct answer is... Taylor Swift. All right, sorry. You're out. All right, another one. Here we go. Taylor Swift, your lamentation. And my eyes are blind with tears. My stomach is in a knot. Is this from the scriptures or is this Taylor Swift? Need an answer. Bible. 
Taylor Swift. Taylor. Bible, Bible, Taylor. We're going to eliminate half of you right here. <laughs> Correct answer is Lamentations. And then there were three. All right. So we have... We have, we have three items, so we could just end it here, or we could play one more question. One, one more question. One more question. Yeah, yeah. All right, because I don't want you all to be winners. That's not how it works. All right, here we go. We're, here we go. Tie. Let's break the tie. Here we go. This yearning in the deep part of my heart for you. That, you could make a case. Either one of those is, that feels right. All right, what, need an answer. What do you got, sir? All right, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift Bible. You could win it all right here. We're going to find out. Show me Taylor Swift. Ain't nothing about you. Uh, so if you said Bible, you're out. I've got a couple of prizes. Pepperdine University, which, you know what? Which would you, which do you want? <laughs> you take the hat? All right, I'm going to throw it at you. Get ready. Here we go. Thank you. Sir? Thank you. Yeah, just that We're going to recycle that. We're in Malibu. Okay, good. All right. I ate off like a bamboo fork or something today. It was crazy. All right. Uh, let's let's jump in really quick to the four questions. Just zip ahead. There's too, there's too many. Here, we're going to skip ahead. We're going we're going to go all the way up to, oh, here's another game that's really good. This one's called Hillsong or Love Song. It's, sometimes it's hard to tell with modern, uh, modern songs and churches. But anyhow, uh, that's why we do acapella around here. Amen. I don't have any of those, but they're really, they're really good. All right, here we go. Four questions teenagers are asking. Let me, let me do this. Let's put up uh, the freshman year. If you, uh, I'm, I'm in sort of junior hires now. But one thing you're going to know really quick is the stuff that's affecting high schoolers are getting pushed down really quickly into junior hires. So this is freshmen. This is based on uh, Rethink Group's research out of Atlanta. And honestly, it's like three years old, and I feel like it's coming for junior high every day that I'm in it. So uh, Monday life of a high school student freshman year. Here's three celebrities I'll put on the screen. Who are these celebrities when they were in high school? Name them on the first one. Paul Walker. Paul Walker, good job. Beyonce and Chris Pratt. Pratt. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 in theaters now. All right, good. Here's the pictures of them in modern life. And that's what they supposedly look like as freshmen. Here is the stuff that's going on in a freshman's life. I know, I'm a dad of four teenagers. Well, now 21, 20, 18, and 16. So I have lived this four times. Uh, the crazy part about the freshman year is that you're walking into high school, probably a different school, maybe a different school than some of your friends, and at the very least, you're now the, the entry-level person in your high school, so everything is different. You have new friends. You have friends that have a beard now. You have friends that are old. You have friends that can drive. Which introduces all sorts of new pressures and temptations. Oh, is that the, you don't have a beard? Yeah, oh, sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> just, just take a moment. Let's just pray. That is a baby face right there. That's good. Uh, God loves you, though. It's all right. All right. Here, freshmen have a question. It's on every one of their minds. And here's the question. The question is simply this. Where do I fit in? Where do they belong? Where do I fit in? If you've got a kid or you have kids in your ministry, they're going, where do I fit in? I'm in a big school with all sorts of new pressures and temptations. I asked my kids not too long ago how many of them over the course of their high school career were offered or were introduced to. And they go to a, a private school. They have been at church every time the doors are open. Like, did you ever, did you ever get offered drugs? Every single one of them was offered drugs at some point. Did any of you uh, get offered alcohol? Every single one of them. And I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm not a sheltering dad, but kind of. And my wife is not a helicopter mom, but she hovers a little. And so I'm like, wow. And the kids are going, where do I fit in? And many of them will answer that question with those vices, with those temptations, with those 
uh, drives that are inside of them. The question, where do I fit in, is on the minds of your freshmen and younger already, for sure. So how do we address that? Here's what I put as the answer. The answer feels a little like I have it all together. I don't totally have it together. But this is what I'm trying to do. In my youth ministry, I'm trying to create a, a place to belong. I want to place it when they walk into their small group, and many of you are small group leaders, which is awesome. They walk into the home, and their shoulders relax because they belong here. They're loved here. I think we've heard enough about loving and caring. For I, I want them to walk through the doors of that environment and be like, ah, oh, this is my place. Ultimately, it's because we don't want, if, if we don't create my place, then we're going to end up like we heard about in the beginning of the lecture a couple hours ago where we're going to, there is no place for them and they've lost that community. And we want to create a home like a place to belong, a membership, an identity to help them connect to our Savior, amen and amen, amen, and to a mentor and to each other and have the community that's taught about in the scriptures. Here's, here is what the scripture says. You know this. This isn't rocket science. Acts 2.42, early church, yada yada, it says, they joined with other believers, devoted themselves to the teaching and the fellowship, and they broke bread together and they prayed. And that's the kind of youth ministry I want to create. Now, it might be easy for me to figure out, let's create a place to belong. So I'm going to try to drill into it a little bit and tell you how we're doing this, because I don't want it to just be like, this is what we got to do. Good luck. Uh, I am not a researcher and I am not a missionary. I am a youth pastor. So I'm trying to put this stuff into practice that the research is telling me. So here's some examples of how we're doing this in our youth ministry. We have a complete relational focus. Everything in our youth ministry is about relationships. It's never about programs. We have programs, but it's so that they, we can increase our relationships. So we can spend time with people. We can have conversations. Even our normal weekly service with an order of worship and all that stuff and music and a game and a message, there is always a moment around a table where we're knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye, talking and discussing, developing relationships. If you have groups right now, because of uh, some situations that I can't control, our, our junior high groups are, in, are on our church property, which is fine. But there's something really different when uh, a teenager is sitting around a kitchen island mm -hmm. or sitting around the, the, on a love seat and the couch and the hearth and all that in a living room versus a classroom. Now, I grew up in Sunday school. It's all good, whatever, you're sure. I'm just saying, if you want to create a place to belong, man, bring Jesus into the living room, bring Jesus into the kitchen, bring Jesus into their everyday life. It's not just something that they go to. It's something that they live on a regular basis. Total emphasis on community. I think this one's big, make next steps clear. The idea there is that whenever you have a program, there's always a next step to belong further, to increase your commitment, and to take the next step. Oftentimes, you're like, come to this big event or this activity. Activity, and then there's no next step. And so help them find a place to belong, not just an event to attend. And then I've served in a very, very small church and a couple of really big churches. And I think the big churches have a lot of, you know, whatever, smoke and lasers and it's awesome, but they're all trying to be small. And the church that made the biggest impact in my life is a really small church. I think small is actually the goal. Like last night, the speaker's like, we're, we're dying. And I'm like, well, I don't like that. I don't like the, the phrasing of that, but I get it. I understand it's an uphill battle and we're fighting the culture and the issue. I'm in, but I want to I wanna 
I want to sit knee to knee, eye to eye with people. I want to hang out one-on-one or in today's culture, one with a few students. I want to create a small youth group where we have really intense conversations, big conversations, life. I want honesty and transparency. And it's really hard to do that in a large group like this. This is a good example. You, you hear me, but we're, you're not sharing your heart and your soul. You're gathering information and it's good. It's fine. Totally different if we were at Starbucks, which I could use afterwards. If anybody wants to hang, buy me coffee, I'll give you an hour, I'm in. Uh, or play pickleball, you can be my partner and I'll play pickleball with you. That'd be great. Uh, but we won't be talking, uh, except we'll be talking trash as we destroy the other player. Okay, I'm getting off track. Here we go. Sophomore year, here's what happens. Uh, well, actually, we got three new celebrities. Who are they? Miley Cyrus, Kim Kardashian. Tom Brady was a good idea. Who, what? Jim Carrey, no. That, Jeff Walling, oh, that would have been good. They didn't have cameras back then, though. That's uh, <laughs> oh, shots fired. Uh, it's Willie Robertson from Duck Dynasty, if I'm not mistaken. Here's a picture of them today so you can see the... Uh, the you know Willie's Church Christ guy, right? Really? Come on. That's a, Wow. I totally planned that. I didn't plan that. Here we go. Sophomore year, here's what's happening. Freedom. My son, Jaden, is a sophomore right now. Uh, last Friday, he got his driver's license. First attempt, by the way, a pass. Uh, it was an incredible moment. Do you know what he immediately did after he got his driver's license? He drove away. No, he, he, he died. No, he's fine. He drove away because he had freedom. Like, we didn't see, he didn't eat dinner with the family that night because he went to his uh, drive through on his own. He went to visit a buddy at work. Freedom is amazing for a sophomore. But here's what's interesting. It's also freedom of thought. It's freedom of time. It's freedom of priorities. It's a moment where you start to cement some of the, this, like, I used to be dragged everywhere by my parents, and now I have some of my own uh, whatever. Independence freedom is a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's actually really healthy. Uh, I want to raise independent kids and f- kids that fly as God calls them. I'm in. But freedom of thought is very scary. Freedom of from my parents' faith is a very scary thing. Here's the question they're asking. Why should I believe? Because for the first time, around the time they get the keys to their car, and again, earlier than ever, uh, where it started to ask some really tough questions about belief and faith and, and all of that as well. I don't think it's a bad thing because an answer, or I would say the answer, is a deeper faith. I want to help my sophomores be prepared for that moment. I want to prepare my students in my youth ministry to have a deeper faith. The scripture would not surprise you, and many of you may even have this memorized. It would say this in Colossians, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on Jesus. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. You'll overflow with thankfulness. This is a really big deal. We want our kids to have a strong faith. So that when they make their own choices, I don't want them to have mom and dad's religion. I don't want them to have the, I don't want to have mom and dad's tradition or their schedule where once a week we go for an hour to the, I want them to have a personal relationship with Jesus with deep roots. And now here's the deal. As you raise the bar of commitment, uh, I can get anybody to attend a lock-in or an overnighter or bowling night or insert fun junior high thing. But we do something in our youth ministry called lunch study. This is an exa- uh, go one ahead, I think. 
yeah, lunch study is something we just brought into our youth ministry. It's a, it's it's the worst name ever. It's at lunchtime and we study the Bible. We're gonna work on the, We're gonna workshop the name a little bit. We just finished it. We had we have it's a very large youth group and we had just a handful, like literally five kids in this lunch study. So we're raising the commitment and participation is going to decrease because now, I mean, there's a cost to this. There's a commitment to this. There's a book we're studying. Uh, you got to bring your Bible versus, you know, whatever, come to youth group. We'll kind of come as you are. We'll put the verses on the screen, something like that. Uh, it, it just, I want all of my students to have a deeper faith. Let's go back one, if you could, Dudley. Can you go back one? Frank, Frank. Here's a couple other examples. Be really choosy about your curriculum. I don't know if the, if the movement has its own curriculum or whatever, but be really choosy about what you put in front of your students. Make sure it's legitimately teaching them. Um, as an aside, your life is the strongest curriculum that they're ever going to see in here. They're probably not going to remember your amazing lesson or your awesome object lesson, uh, but they are going to remember the way you treated the cashier. They're going to remember the way you treated your husband. They're going to wait. remember the, the way that you blew up and lost it, but then apologized to that clerk or whatever. Your life is a huge piece of the curriculum. Every year, uh, we do an apologetic series every fall. Uh, you could go on Amazon, type in apologetic series. Something from Sean McDowell would come up or some equivalent in, in your movement. The summer classes, uh, we're trying it this summer. We'll see if it works. Uh, if not, I'll delete that and you'll, you'll be the only ones that know about that. Um, invite a local professor to serve. We have some pretty incredible Bible colleges in our area and I would go to the professors and say, or in our case, Sean McDowell is about a half an hour from us. Can you come to our youth group and teach a series on apologetics? which I think we heard a little bit about apologetics during Australia, right? Yeah, this is another way. Create a deeper faith so that when they ask that question and they have those freedoms, they have a place to land. All right, now junior year, who are these two celebrities? Will Ferrell and Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel is correct. Well done, well done. I like it, that's good. Uh, Fast and Furious 5, Vin Theater 10, whatever it is. Tokyo 12, I don't know. All right, next one. Uh, here's the, the things that happen for juniors is they've got an enormous amount of pressure on them. Uh, college acceptance stuff has started in their junior year. Many of them have been asked for years at this point. Uh, they have to have their degree choice made and their career decided. This is the way I put the question that juniors in particular are asking. It is this, boom, put it on the screen. How can I matter? They're starting to look for significance. They're starting to ask, how are they going to do something in this world that makes a difference? And, and can they matter? This is when their worldview gets really, really big and they realize how small they are. And also, they hopefully are discovering some of their passions, gifts, and abilities. And the church is calling them to a high standard as well. Oftentimes, this is the beginning of the end uh, for most people's youth group participation. By the time we get to their senior year, they're kind of gone. Junior is where those cracks first start to appear or maybe widen because the cracks of doubt were in their sophomore year. So I want to push back on that with how can I matter by this answer, giving them leadership. Our juniors in high school lead in a lot of things. They lead our serve projects. They lead our weekend services. They will co-host on stage. They'll be moderators in our online chat. They are going to be leading everywhere. They're going to be leaders 
in our junior high ministry small groups or co-leaders is probably what we would have them do. We want to give them enormous places of leadership. Here's what it says in Proverbs. You know these verses. This is not a big surprise to you. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There's safety in having many advisors. I want to challenge my students to be leaders and to serve because students that serve will stick. Uh, this is some of the ways that we've given leadership away. We have a series called You Own the Weekend, where students do everything. They do lights, camera, sound, streaming, moderating, uh, produce, direct. It it's, sounds a little bit fancier than it is. Uh, it's just a kid who's deleting stuff on YouTube as it happens. But uh, we, we also, they teach the message, and they do the music, and they, they do an average job of, of the band. They try. It's good. We let students teach a point. Maybe you're not ready for a whole weekend or a whole youth group, but let a student teach a point. Um, serve opportunities led by students. And then a dream of mine, have never got this one cracked yet, but is to have a high school campus pastor. So if a, whatever, sophomore girl visits from Tribuco High School, then a campus pastor would know, hey, I'm, I am the girls pastor for the sophomores at Tribuco Hills. And so they will be the ones to reach out rather than getting something from the youth pastor or a volunteer. Uh, here's a couple examples of how we're trying to move things forward in the digital age as well. This is a weekly show that we do called The Inside Out. It is shot, directed, edited, hosted, and the message is completely done by students. And so these are a couple of our student hosts. This is a ring light, and it's a simple testimony show that happens every single week in our youth ministry. It comes out on Thursday. I just asked someone at home, like, where is our digital show for this week? It's not posted. I'm about to talk about it. Um, so hopefully uh, one of my volunteers will get that posted shortly. But it's a way for students to use their talents, gifts, and abilities and push us into uh, the digital era age as well. It gets a significant number of, of views each week the vast majority from outside of our youth ministry and church. Some more kids serving just so you see them in different roles. I'll go back one just a little bit. Go back one to that. Uh, go forward to that one. That's just some of our students serving on the weekend. Uh, this is junior high student, junior high student, junior high student, high school student leader. And it's just a bunch of tech. I have no idea how to do any of it, but they do. And they're really, really good. So I want kids to serve because they're going to stick. I want kids to lead so that when they get to their senior year, they're ready to take on. And instead of fizzling out, they're just ramping up. Like, I don't want to lose these kids. Uh, if anything, I want them to, man, carry on right through and have a place to belong, a deeper faith, and strong leadership. All right, we're going to pause right here. This ooh, we have uh, we have the audio. This game is called <laughs> Nailed It or Failed It Cat Edition. This is how the game works. Uh, who's the oldest in youth ministry here? Who's the oldest? Uh, let me just say this. 10 years or more, raise a hand, raise a hand. 10 years or more. Oh, excellent. Wow, excellent. More than 10. How many? 15. 15. Anybody beat 15 years? 15 years. How many years? 22. 22. Anybody beat 22? Can I get a 23? No. 22. What's your name? Bruce. Bruce, here's the deal. This and... A one-by-one one You can band. stay right there. You're good. And a one-by-one van... Oh, and this game and 25 bucks to the store, whatever you want too. all right? Just, well, I'll give you a code or something, but you have to get this right. Nailed it or failed it, cat edition. I'm going to show you half of the video. The cat either nails it or the cat fails it. And you get it right. All these cash, all these prizes, it's yours. Pretty easy. Here's half the video. Here we go. Nailed it or failed it. This cat is going to jump on top of the refrigerator 
Do you think this cat will nail it or fail? It? All right, Bruce, what do you got? He, he says failed it. it. We only have one. Can you imagine if I brought just a successful jump? He'd be like, "That was that what?" Bruce says failed. Show me, nailed it or failed it. Here we go. Thinking about it. <laughs> we pass these back to Bruce. So good. Simple game. Five bucks. A little bit of fun. I mean, I think fun is disarming. I think fun is a connection point with the audience. I think fun, you know, as we think about a post-Christian world, too, it's a way to relate to students. If there's a trend, if something viral is going on, uh, there's something on Download Youth Ministry already. By the time you discover it, wherever you are in the country, we've already, some youth workers are incredibly inventive and they've already got it covered. Uh, senior year, last big question they're going to ask here. Uh, who are these three celebrities? It's Scarlett Johansson. It's not Scarlett Johansson. Natalie it, Portman? Not Natalie Portman. Oh, it's Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba. Very good. Jessica Alba. Don't don't reveal yet, Dudley. Uh, who do we have over here? The Rock. The Rock. Good job. And in the middle? Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. Very good. All right. Now you can reveal him. Very good. Well done. Abraham Lincoln. Wow. All right. Good to know. Senior year. This is the Christ. I have a senior daughter right now. Uh, she's about to graduate. Four weeks. Uh, she's got a lot of questions about her future. In fact, she's one of the new seniors that is not heading off to college right away. Sorry, Jet, not heading to Pepperdine. Uh, although she has the grades, she could. Uh, she's taking a gap year because she does not know her future. And honestly, she's still figuring out a whole bunch of the identity that's kicking in. And she has senioritis. Oh my goodness. She has like two classes. It's the easiest her life will ever be. And getting out the front door is so difficult. Here's the question that Alexis, my daughter, is asking. What will I do? Like the whole future is in front of them. And what's crazy is they're about to go from being the big person on campus to being like a nobody in a gap year. Or a nobody at an even bigger school and institution. And they're asking all those same questions that the freshmen did going, how do I fit into this place, right? So how are we going to help students uh, connect? And I think it's affirmation. I know that word is loaded. I'm using it in reference to a very old way of thinking of affirmation. To affirm someone is to encourage, build them up, and, and push them forward. That affirmation is the way I'm using that word, just for clarity's sake, especially after Dudley's uh, workshop. Thanks, bro. That was great. Here's what it says in the scriptures, 1 Thessalonians. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. This is what I want my seniors. I don't want my seniors to fizzle and fade and disappear and whatever happened to is like, those words kill me. I want them to be affirmed and encouraged and I'm, I'm sending them out with a pat on the back saying you did it, you made it, you're ready to go. Here's some of the ways that I'm doing that in our youth ministry. I want to help our seniors find a church home. So often when our seniors go off to school, it's kind of like, good luck, you're on your own, youth ministry's over. And so I would encourage you and push you to when your seniors are leaving, find out where they're going and, and help them find a like-minded church home. The Facebook, whatever, the internet has changed this, has made this so easy. In the old days, I'd have a volunteer who would try to gather all this information and be like, here's some, a good church in Oklahoma City. And now, in a few minutes, you can figure out a good church anywhere. Uh, so I, I would encourage you to help seniors move from the place to belong of our church 
and connect them a place to belong as they become freshmen again and start these questions all over again. Give the, I only give them outlets, typo, for their gifts. Uh, I'm going to have one of my seniors fix this next time. And then uh, reframe full-time Christian work. This is, uh, this is a big deal to me. Uh, before, in the old days, it was like, are you going to be a missionary? Come forward. Are you going to be a pastor or a youth pastor? I get, come forward, you know. And I think the, the world has changed, and those are still valuable. I'm thankful for those men and women that have shaped me as spiritual leaders in our communities I'm in. But I think full-time Christian work needs to have a much broader definition. And so I'm constantly putting great Christian men and women in our church who have no official title or status or pay or whatever to help them understand that all of us are in full-time Christian work. We all just have jobs too. So if you're going to be a a rotoscope engineer on the next Pixar movie, well, you're also in full-time Christian work and you happen to be a rotoscope engineer. You're going to be a mechanic or a nurse or insert career or field here. I think we got to reframe full-time Christian work so that seniors go, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a missionary and so I guess I'm done. I want them to go, man, church and Jesus and my spiritual life is interconnected to everything that I am and I also have a job instead of thinking those spiritual jobs are only for those exclusive. This is an example. This is three, five weeks ago, maybe, in our youth group. Adrian, Aaron, and great. This, actually, this, this sweet Vicky just got out of the hospital this week. Uh, amazing. Ah, these are good people. These are five volunteers in our youth ministry. I put them up for a series called Situationships. It was like relationships, guys, girls, love, all that stuff. And they just got to come up and just share their story and share how God has worked in their heart and life. And I don't want them to only hear from me. I want them to hear from, I mean, obviously there's a uh, diversity of age, faith stories, ethnicities, all of it. I mean, marital status, there's a whole bunch happening in that one photo. Because I want them to see Jesus working in a whole bunch of different ways and invite them to be in a lifelong commitment and relationship to Jesus as well. Seniors are going to search for it, and they're going to find groups that look like them. I want to put those groups on stage and let them see them right away as well. What else we got? At the end of the day, students need to be known, loved, cared for, and pointed to Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want to, I want to create a place to belong. They walk into my youth ministry, they go, oh, this is home. And when they're 35, they still say, this is home. And when they're 50 and say, and their grandparents trying to pass it on to their generation in a post-Christian world, let me just tie all the workshops together. They, they know that they are known, they are loved, they are cared for, and they're pointing people to Jesus. This is how it looks like when, uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's go to this last little bit here. Uh, high school and I think junior high now brings a process called differentiation. It's where kids and parents are breaking apart. It's a good and healthy process, but it hurts really bad. It hurts because they're testing with the freedom that they have. They're like, is this faith my own? And they're testing things like, am I going to have these same values? And am I going to believe this way? And is church and Jesus and God going to be important to me? Differentiation is an old word that's gotten really popular uh, of late. But here's the deal. It's really, really important. Because if it's just their parents' faith, it's not theirs. And we're going to lose them. So it's got to be more than that. It's got to be their parents' faith that ultimately becomes their faith. I'll show you one image 
This is an example of uh, kids on leashes. When I was uh, young, my parents kept me on a leash. Maybe you can understand why after the few minutes we've been together. But unlimited energy, go, 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 go. These people are walking their dogs and they're walking their children. If you've ever traveled with children before, you know that they, I mean, you want to like dis you go to Disneyland, which is only you know, whatever, I have 45 minutes to three hours away from here. And it, you're going to see kids on leashes everywhere. I want my students that have been raised in the church, kind of connected closely to their parents, to at some point be unleashed to the world. I want them to reach their friends for Jesus. I want them to serve and grow. I don't want them to be the future of the church. I want them to be the church today. And so I'm going to give them places of leadership, and I'm going to help push them and affirm them in their calling and is their shape as a disciple of Jesus and also into their profession. Uh, Download Youth Ministry, uh, the idea is that we're just trying to help youth workers have killer conference level resources um, for almost no money. If we could do it for free entirely, we would. Uh, Download Youth Ministry, give me a little quick example of what it looks like. The games we played today are all three to five bucks on DYM. Dudley, what do you got there? Uh, you have a weekly grind of probably you have a youth group or a gathering or something every week with teenagers. Um, Download Youth Ministry can help you do that. Here's some examples. Uh, there's medieval tournament. The Taco Bell Olympics is really popular. Some fun countdown videos. Amazing teaching series. Uh, again, super, super cheap. There's mental health stuff on there. There's training videos for your volunteers. Um, literally now thousands of resources. Let me just invite you as well. If you're interested in helping out Download Youth Ministry, you're, you create a killer game or an amazing teaching or arrange acapella music. I don't know. I don't know. We'll put it on there and we'll see. We'll see if other people will download it. And uh, you can help a ton of people. Um, instead of helping 30 kids in your youth group, which is awesome, you can help 30 churches or 300 churches or thousands of churches. So if you got something that crushed in your youth ministry, let's get it on DYM. Uh, have a little side hustle for you as well. Uh, one last example, I forgot this was in there. This is a game called The Sky is Falling Celebrity Edition. Uh, you got, a pri we got another prize as we wrap up? We got uh, I can't have a string bag. Okay, let's do it. We'll do it. Uh, let, what are you, Pepperdine? Mm -hmm. Oh, and there's something in here. Something in here. Yeah, oh, yeah. chapstick. Who yeah. doesn't want that? Uh, with the Crossways logo. That's on right. And, stickers. and it's going to be chapstick that I've used. So thank you. It's good. Wow. All right. Now we're talking value. Here we go. All right. Uh, Bruce, pick somebody in the room. You're our last winner. You get to pick anybody in here you want. One person to have a shot at winning. Um, white hat. White hat. Where, okay, there you go. What's your name, dude? White hat. My name's Alan. Alan. Okay, Alan. This is how the game works. This is available on Download News for like five bucks. I don't know. Made by a youth pastor in Illinois, I think. Uh, sky's falling. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to put a celebrity's head is going to fall from the ceiling. All you have to do is count the number of times that celebrity's head fall from the ceiling. It's pretty easy. Okay. All right. So here we go. Go forward. Go forward. Here we go. Uh, sky's falling. Celebrity edition. Let's go. And then you're going to win. Use chapstick. All right. Here we go. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. What do you got? You got another one? Is there not another one? Okay. Here it is. All right. You might have to push play on this one. I don't know. Dudley, push forward again. Okay, here we go. How many Robert Pattinsons, the guy from Twilight and Batman? One. Right? So far, you got one. <laughs> Don't count that one. Don't count that one. Here we go. Use chapstick. Here we go. Count them. 17, 42, 68. Okay, that's not too bad. How many did you get? 23. All right, 23. Uh, Bruce, if he gets it wrong, 
you get the prize, all right? All right, here we go. Show me 23, Robert. Oh, wait, you just, we just get the answer. Dudley. It didn't play? Well, how many? Well, since since Dudley's having a hard time with technology, what what? It wasn't twenty three, right? Whoa! No one knows. <laughs> I just heard ten different answers. Dude, you got anything? Oh, here, here, here. Let me just try this one right here. See if that works. We'll give it a go. Oh, now we have no. That's not even the right one. Shoot. Well, let's just do let's just do the rock for fun. You get you get you win the chapstick. Yay! Here's the the rock. Seven. <laughs> Seven is the correct answer. All right, here you go. Enjoy your chapstick, and uh, I hope that the digital resources. <laughs> It's still going. It's still going. Uh, we'll help you. 167. The only problem is, Dudley does not know how to display the correct answer, so we have no idea. Um, let me give you one, one uh, if you're interested. This is a totally free, $0, no credit card. We're youth pastors that made this. If you scan this QR code, you can get a fun game called It's a Game About Gummy Fish, because you can't say Swedish fish, but uh, it's buy a couple packs of gummy fish at the dollar store. Uh, throw this game up there, disarm students, invite them to listen and participate. If you're talking about, you don't have to always tie into the message, but if you're talking about the, when the net broke, when the disciples pulled the fish, or the miracle of it, you can, you can tie it in easily. Uh, but it's also just a silly, fun game um, to introduce it's, it's this conversation to. It's also a great to. game for seniors because of the gummy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, senior citizen ministry will love. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I realize that our time uh, has, has very long amount of time, but I've only been able to speak shortly. I'll be the last person to leave, and we'd love to just talk shop with you as well. Um, I'm in the trenches of youth ministry. I'm going home to my youth ministry tonight, and uh, would love to connect with you and hang out with you today as well. So thank hey, you so much. Thank, thank Josh for me, if you will. Uh, we, do, we do want to present you with your own golf. shirt, and I want you to notice that's almost Vols colors right there. <laughs> right there. Yeah, that, that, that orange, orange. Is, is, is pretty good. Can you give these three guys another round of applause? Ah, at a moment like this, when we're about to say you're dismissed, I just know that your bucket is so full. Will you take 30 seconds and ask, what's the one thing I heard today that I need to put into practice right now, this week, right now? What's the one thing, idea? If you really want to score, then okay, one from each. But what's one thing that you'd say, I've got to put this into practice right now? 15 seconds, decide what it is. Quick, decide what it is. Now, share it with somebody next to you. Tell them. Here's your accountability partner right here. Just tell them we're behind you or in front of you, wherever. What's one thing? One thing. Stand up, let me bless you out.
I'll cut you out. Bless you out. Please know this. The Youth Leadership Initiative of Pepperdine University is for you. Yes. We pray for you. We care about you. If there are ways that we can be of help to your churches, please reach out. Look up Crossways or the Next Gen Preacher Search. Those are programs that are for you and for your ministry. But if we can be of help in a way we're missing, would you please take time to just send an email to jeff.walling at pepperdine.edu and say, I wish you could do a seminar on, you know, toothbrushing for junior hires, whatever it is. Or I wish you could bring in a speaker. You know, there's this guy named Rick Warren. I don't know. I may know a guy that could help with that. Yeah. May the Spirit of God inhabit fully your life and body and family and ministry. May the power of God enable you to do beyond what you can ask or even imagine. And may the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, give you the quiet, gracious confidence that God has got this, even in the midst of the storm. Lord, bless our kids and our kids' kids. Bless our youth groups and our churches and elders. Father, will you bless our country, bless our world. But send us out today to celebrate and share how your love has changed our life, we pray. And in Jesus' name we all say, Amen. 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 Thanks so much. Thanks so much for being here.